This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities short of peak your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. What's up? What's up? Hi, friends. It's episode 82. 82. Religious cult. Oh, my word. There um, will be trigger warnings. A lot. All of, all, a lot, a yeah. lot of trigger mm-hmm. warnings for this one. We're giving you a trigger warning about the trigger warnings to come. <laughs> <laughs> that, that fits because it's that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Bad. It's so terrible and wonderful at the same time. Yeah. And we know you know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because you've listened to us a few times. You're our people. We can relate. <laughs> we feel you. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of messed up stuff, but thank God it's Comp Day. <laughs> Again, that's why we can't have video. <laughs> no, no, no. We are going to need a lot of money for that one. Mm-hmm. And a lot more alcohol. Mm-hmm. But speaking of alcohol. Yeah. So... Let's rewind this just a little bit so I can give y'all a little bit of a backstory. So me and Britt were at Party City last Sunday because we do things for our friends that work at birthdays. Mm-hmm. And we like to decorate their desks because this is. So we were at Party City. And up on the very top shelf, I saw these beautiful little goblets <laughs> that were black with purple rhinestones. So since it's religious stuff, I was like, well, I have to go back and get that. We need a chalice. Yeah. So I did. And then I went to my little cheers that I haven't <laughs> been to in a while. The vineria right around the corner. And I was walking around and they didn't have a lot of sweet reds because I was like, well, we have to have a red. Of course. But it has to be sweet because mm-hmm. we don't do the dry shit. Oh, no. Thank you, please. <laughs> Wet is always better. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> So I went to the high dollar section just to give it a browse, okay? I found this bottle that's black and purple metallic. Hi. It's like <laughs> the clouds opened up and heaven oh. shone down. <laughs> um, and it is the only bottle in the store that specifically said sweet red wine. And it's a uh, Bartonura? Sure. Magenta. And it's from Italy. It is so beautiful. It's a gorgeous bottle. It really is. I splurged. I got a $20 bottle of wine. $15 over her budget, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Once you see the photo, and I'll even uh, video the bottle, because it's that pretty. I'm keeping it. It's super pretty. I'm keeping it. And it's a popper. Uh, It's a (laughs) popper. So it will probably be a little bubbly. I like the bubbly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start turning the key. I did remove the wrapper that um, wouldn't have taken a genius to figure it out, but um, I couldn't. It was a thing. It's fine. It's fine. But I'm going to, oh, it's ready. Oh, she <laughs> oh, ready. Oh, she <laughs> is ready. 
Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. That was nice. Okay. I'm going to smell it. Like a champagne red. Okay. You want to smell it? Of course. I smell everything. Okay. Okay. Anyways, all right. Is, is, you got the approval? Yeah. Smells good. Pour me up. Oh, it's so pretty and fizzy. Here for this shit. Because that's what you do. That's what we do. And there we go. Perfect. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Um, I'm trying it. Ready? Clink. Ready? I can't. Oh, you're going to make me reach. Clink. Okay. Clink. Oh, that's lovely. Ooh. I am here for this. It's sweet, but it's not too sweet. Nope. It is definitely a red, but it's bubbly. And it is, oh my God. It's mainly the aftertaste that's sweet. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's got a nice whatever that's called. <laughs> Michael Scott on The Office would say it has a bit of an oaky afterbirth. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There is there is a tad bit of oaky afterbirth in there. <laughs> I'm calling it that from now on. <laughs> Aftertaste like, is now afterbirth. Has a bit of an oaky afterbirth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh my god! god. So I'm gonna have to go back and get a second cup. It was only nine dollars. Okay. It's huge. It's beautiful. <laughs> and we're royalty, so we should really be drinking out of chalices. Yeah, and it's enormous. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're like a big. That's what she said. <laughs> What's the 2.0 of your home day treat, Amanda? All right, so brainstorming uh, this afternoon, I was like, okay, I've got the alcohol. What the fuck can I do for the food? I mean, we don't always have to have food, but I like to have food. It helps. Mm-hmm. Well, wafers are boring. Mm-hmm. And they taste like cardboard. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do the Lord's chicken. Because the answer is always the Lord's chicken. Well, it was like 530. I'm sitting there with my daughter trying to figure out what to do for dinner. And I'm like, oh. She's like, oh, the Lord's chicken. It was another. <laughs> so there you have it. That's how we ended up with our hump day treat. It's good to. You know, um, when y'all tell us what y'all had for your hump day treat, I kind of like to know how you arrived at that as well. Give us a little story with it. Tell us some things. Yeah. I don't think we've um, mentioned this, I don't think ever, but y'all can post stuff on our page as well. Mm-hmm. Y'all can conversate. We're if you find something here. funny, you, you can post it. It's okay. We'll approve it. Mm-hmm. I promise. Well, unless it's like inappropriate. There's a good chance that we'll post it. But there's still a really good (laughs) chance that we'll post it. Mm -hmm. So we're stuffing our faces with the Lord's chicken in this really good wine. Mm -hmm. I'm not disappointed at all. Nope. Worth the 20 bucks. So go to our socials so you can see our hump day treat and all the case photos and the trivia questions. We got those. Um, Because the end is nearing. The end is near. Because <laughs> there's a mystery prize involved. So do it. Do it, do it, do it. 
Quit singing at the dinner table. Never. <laughs> oh my God. Ashton says that shit all the time. Really? Yeah. We'll tell it, him to stop doing something. And he goes, never. It's, it, <laughs> it is from a kid's movie. And I've been doing it since my <laughs> oldest kid was a child. And I cannot tell you for the life of me what it's from. If y'all know what it's from, let us know. Because it, that's where it came from. But I cannot remember. It might be Home Alone. Ashton Ooh. quotes Home Alone. A lot. It's a possibility. I mean, I'm not ruling anything out because I really have no freaking clue. I don't either, but I think it might be Home Alone. It's probably something really cool like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess, it's my, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> yeah. Now it's your turn to um, talk about some culty stuff. Okay. Trigger oh, warning. <laughs> Well, no need for the sound effect this week because Brittany has supplied that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. So my case. Yeah. There's a, a lot of religious trauma. Yeah. There's a lot of sexual abuse. There's a lot of sexual abuse against children. Well, what the. And there's a lot of suicide. Awesome. So, well, it's a cult. You can expect the suicide, but, um, so be prepared for these things. Thanks. Okay. There's no murder. Oh, wait. Fuck. There's murder. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. There's all the shit. Okay. If you need to skip ahead, I understand. I don't have any sexual abuse, but I have all the other stuff. So, okay. I'm not going to get too great. Like, I promise I'm not going to get too graphic. There's a couple of the photos that we'll have to discuss and decide if we want to share. But, um, yeah, let's just jump right into it. Here we go. The cult I chose this go round because there will be another Mm -hmm. was Children of God. (laughs) Children of God. Here's your synopsis (laughs) is a religious group that originated in California in 1968 the leaders limited the members' access to the outside world and asked them to give up their money and worldly possessions. Because of this, Children of God is generally considered a cult. The cult became notorious when stories emerged accusing its members of sexually abusing children. Children of God, now known as the Family International, is still active today. Why and how? <laughs> I don't understand. We'll get to it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Also, I know how lengthy this this is. I cut out so much. Yeah. There, if y'all want to do a deeper dive into it, there's so many articles. There's a documentary. Mm-hmm. There's books. There's mm-hmm. countless ways, podcasts, and the whole shebang. All of it. All about it. So here we go. Okay. Founder David Brant Berg was a pastor and evangelist. Let's go ahead and pop over to the notes so you can see who we're talking about here. It just says Berg. Yeah, I'm just going to already say ew. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I just know. Ew. That's what he looks like? Mm-hmm. No. Uh-uh. I ain't following you. Nope. Okay. Nope. 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 So, hey. Did y'all ever watch those claymation Christmas movies? Yes. Okay, you know the winter dude? <laughs> I'm Mr. Uh, what is his name? 
He's the bad guy. Yes, yes. His face gives me yes, win- winter villain exactly, vibes. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's it, that's it. He's creeping me out. Mm-hmm. And that's who we're dealing with. I'm surprised he doesn't have long fingernails because he's got the long, creepy fingers too. He might. Is, I'm not oh, wait, zooming in close. En- yeah, I'm not zooming in close enough to see. No, I'm good. All he right. Is. Yeah. Thank you for the nightmares. Creepy as fuck. Sorry. <laughs> it is said that Berg's mother believed in spiritual healing, and even had a healer come to the family home to treat him as an infant. Later, his family became involved in the Pentecostal movement. When Berg was six, the family moved to Miami and started the Berg Evangelistic Dramatic Company. Oh. So much words. Okay. His mother acted as the preacher, and his father was the choreographer and music director. (laughs) (laughs) There's no words. Okay. This blending of music and faith would later appear in The Children of God. Berg had a lifelong obsession with sex. His family was abusive, frequently shaming and abusing their son for exploring himself sexually. He was a chronic masturbator. Okay. Um, Um, He often used his inappropriate, incestuous relationship with his family to justify the way people of all ages were abused in his cult. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. This is... I'm going to drink. This is the part I cut out. Okay. There is a lot more details about his family and his mother that I cut out. So. Okay. Just know his childhood was fucked, which helped form him into the fucked up person he became. This is fantastic. Oh, I told you. It's all terrible. Yeah. (laughs) All right. There, there's parts to giggle at later. I'll give you some giggle later. Okay. Okay. As an adult, he experimented with different religious movements. He became a minister, but was quickly forced to give up his position at his first church. He claimed that the town had resisted allowing indigenous people in the congregation, but others said he was run out of town after allegations of sexual misconduct. Which I'm... I'm going to choose to believe that one. Yeah. I'm I'm believing number two. Yeah. He spent time working with a faith healer and then an evangelist. Meanwhile, his mother preached to hippie youth about Christ. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Ultimately, Berg joined her. Then after her death, he expanded on that idea that she had about bringing in the hippie youth. Mm. So here we go. As pastor and evangelist for the Christian and Missionary Alliance, Berg became the leader of a youth ministry called Teen Challenge in Huntington Beach, California in 1967. I have a picture of young Berg. Oh my God, that's such a good program too. <laughs> I don't think it's the same as today's Teen Challenge program. I don't think it's Probably the same thing. Probably not. Um, but if you see the picture of young Berg, that is him speaking at one of those Teen Challenge uh, things. Well, he looks a whole lot different. He's still creepy. Oh, he's still creepy. His he's face sh- still looks exactly the yeah. same. <laughs> he's younger with sunglasses. There was other, like, dude, there were so many pictures that I really had to pick and choose. But there's other ones of him when he was young. And if you look at it side by side, he looks exactly the same except for the hair and the beard. Ew. His face looks exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. 
He recruited his members out of the hippies and outcasts that flocked to Southern California during the free love era and organized a group of young people to roam the streets proselytizing about the love of Jesus. In 1969, Berg left the National Teen Challenge group and formed his own group called Light Club or Teens for Christ. I saw both names. Fight Club? Light Club. (laughs) Stop it. Sorry. That's like a smack in the face to Brad Pitt. What is wrong with you? (laughs) But eventually this church became known as the Children of God. Berg's church melded worship of Jesus Christ with 60s era free love and preached a fairly standard cult leader prophecy. The apocalypse was coming and soon the end is coming. (laughs) This doomsday prediction encouraged his followers to live hand to mouth rather than making long term plans. Children were barely educated as it was seen as unnecessary. So close to the end of the world. He told his followers that God had appointed him the end of time prophet and that he would be playing a significant role in the second coming of Christ, who would soon be returning to earth. Berg, yeah. Berg also claimed that he'd been in touch with a spirit guide named Abraham who was relaying divine messages to him. The cult leader told his followers that the apocalypse was coming, saying that Quote, evil would fall and congregants would be lifted to the heavens. End quote. <sighs> I have so much thoughts and feelings that I'll keep I, to myself I know, like, for now. There's so much stuff I want to say, but I am not allowed to say we're, it. We're just going to keep going. Okay. The followers of Children of God were told to expect the apocalypse in 1993, and they lived their lives as if they would soon be over. So I have a picture of the cult. It says cult. <laughs> I'm just continually, continuously. Here, they are worshiping. Shaking my head. They're praising Jesus. Okay. Seeing a photo like this isn't that abnormal to me. I mean, I've been in in churches and stuff. And, you know, hey, do your thing. Get your worship on. We Um, haven't gotten that abnormal yet. (laughs) Right now, it's, it's, you know, when they're just getting into it and they don't. It's a little see weird. It's something a, new. Um, yeah. They don't see it for what it is yet. It's enlightening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mm. After claiming that God had gifted him with prophecies, Berg soon began making extreme demands of his followers. For see, members, there you go. There, there's when you, here's your son. And so it began. Mm-hmm. For members of the children of God, every detail of their lives was controlled by the rules set by Berg. From how many sheets of toilet paper they should use to what their job was. No. <laughs> no one regulates you are, my toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody puts your toilet paper in a corner. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Agreed. New members were asked to donate everything they owned to the group, then cut all contact with their families. No. That's my stuff. You can't have it. My Target stuff. Mm-hmm. I bought all of that at Target. (laughs) With my own money. (laughs) In the discount bins. (laughs) (laughs) Now buy the rewards program. (laughs) I'm a Target Red Circle member. (laughs) We could keep it going. We we do too much at Target. Stop. (laughs) They were also encouraged to give up any employment and become full-time evangelists for Christ. 
There were very few people who held real-world jobs, and they were called systemites. I mean, he was already taking in hippies. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, most of them... It, it wouldn't have been a thing for them to give up their jobs and their life yeah. and all that stuff. But, so. you know, it's funny because a lot of times... Not always, but a lot of times in cults, that's how it starts, is taking in runaways and outcasts. Yeah, and, you know the lost ones. But then it grows into something, and the people, the higher-ups in the cults are so manipulative that they are able to talk success, smart, successful people oh, yeah. out of their things and, you know, catch them in their web. And cults are so fucking fascinating to me. Uh, yeah. I was just telling Amanda earlier to listen to this podcast. Y'all should listen to it too, but after ours. Um, <laughs> it's called Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it's exclusively on Spotify now, but it's a podcast podcast and it is awesome. So listen to that. They have an episode on like every cult imaginable and it's fantastic. Members were split into 12 groups inspired by the 12 tribes of Israel, each with a different role, such as cleaning or cooking. And some members were even given new names. Traditional families were I want to know what the names are. I did not get into it. <laughs> Traditional families weren't valued. Instead, everyone was a member of one large family with Berg at the center, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, nope. So I have a quote from Jeanette Solano, Associate Professor of Religious Studies at Cal State Fullerton. Okay. Um, This is what she told the LA Times. Everything was broken down so the parents didn't have control over the raising of the children. Parental authority was abdicated to the community. So they Mm -hmm. separated families in such a way that the parents didn't even truly parent their own children. I don't like it. Oh, no. Okay. The best food and supplies went to high-ranking members, and the majority had to get by with whatever was left. Not okay. No. They were never permitted to be alone, even in the bedroom or bathroom. Ew. No, thank you, please. I can't shit knowing somebody is in the next room. (laughs) Like, I could go to the bathroom with somebody in the same room as me. Oh, my God. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if I never had to poop again in my entire life, I would be an extremely happy person. I would totally be okay with that. Uh, I would love it. Why do we have to do that? I don't know. It makes me think of that Anne Rice book, uh, The Body Snatcher, when Lestat (laughs) goes into a human's body. And he's like, oh, my God, I forgot how fucking disgusting humans are. Yes. Yes. That's how I feel. Okay. There's a little tidbit about me on a note. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm just going to keep drinking. <laughs> Members read Bible passages over loudspeakers and prepped for the end of days. Communes formed across the country, and within just a few years, there were over 120 Children of God communities around the world. Oh my God. Oh my they, God. Everywhere. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is this the biggest one? I have no idea. Oh, but my God. If there are any bigger than that, I don't. Oh, my God. She big. Jesus. She big. Okay. Berg changed his name to Moses David. Of no. course. <laughs> and married a second wife, stating that polygamy was sanctioned by the Old Testament. Mm-mm. 
Karen Zerbe joined the Children of God when they were only about 125 followers. At this time, the group held conservative views on sex, forbidding even hand-holding before marriage. Berg was married at that time to a woman named Jane, and they had four children together. There's photos. Here's a picture of Berg and Jane and their four kids. I did not get into the kids' names and their lives and all that. No, that's fine. But Look how precious they are, mm-hmm. though. Oh, my God. He is so creepy. See, even when he's young, he looks exactly the he's same. so creepy. And I can't like it. I don't want to look at him. And his dead eyes. They Ooh. are completely dead. dead. So Zerby became Berg's personal secretary, and he controlled every aspect of her life, including her diet and appearance. Nope. So within a few months, Berg began an affair with Zerby and soon began promoting polygamy, using the Bible as justification for taking her as his second wife. Okay. So I have a picture of Karen Zerby. It says young Zerby. Oh. And there she is. All right, ma'am. In her cute little hippie chick I know. Top. I love her, out, uh, like, everything about her. Um, except that she went where she went. Mm-hmm. Oh, and... You're not allowed to like her. She's garbage later. Okay. In the mid-70s, Berg began to encourage the female members to practice what he called flirty fishing. Oh, yeah. Based on Matthew 419, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, Berg instructed his female followers to go to bars, pick up men, and seduce them into converting and joining children of God. Yeah. Women who had brought many men into the cult this way were giving the title... Soul shiners. I do not like that. I don't know if these are the soul shiners, but this felt like an appropriate place to show y'all a picture of Mr. Berg and the ladies of the family. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess those are probably the soul they shiners. They probably are because they are very attractive. Mm-hmm. And they're all dressed very attractively. Mm-hmm. He's like Hugh Hefner. Like, I know. Sitting there with That's a, bunch a of lot of gals. And there's a couple of very happy looking men in the background. It makes me think that um, they're being entertained. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They are recruits, mm-hmm. most likely. That's That's the vibe I'm getting. All mm. right. So that was fun looking at the Playboy Mansion. And... You could do an entire episode on just this flirty fishing thing and the depths that they went to with that. Yeah, I I remember a lot. Yeah, that I'm not really going to go into detail about that. And it's messed up. Yeah, it's too much. In 1979, Berg stated that his evangelists had witnessed to over a quarter of a million souls, loved over twenty five thousand of them. And won about 19000 to the Lord. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. In 1978, Berg changed the group's name to the Family of Love and later changed it again to the Family. Would you make up your mind? Yeah, calm down, son. Sexual contact with potential members became the norm within the group's membership. The practice of sexual sharing and open sexual relationships between existing members was encouraged. This felt like an appropriate spot to put in a picture of Berg with this young woman. He's like groping all over. Oh, my God. 
who is quite obviously neither of his wives. Obviously, because she wasn't in the other picture. Yeah, (laughs) this poor girl's being groped all over, and he looks gross, super nasty, creepy. I can't. Yeah, I can't. Okay, I have a quote from former member Sylvia Padilla, as she explained in a documentary about her family's experience. I was convinced it was like a duty. Sometimes you were revolted, but if you were asked and you refused, you were going to be labeled selfish, unloving, uncaring, and that you didn't really belong. Spread your legs, bitch. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. That's not okay. (sighs) So, um, this part, uh, still garbage, but may get some giggles. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm here for some giggles. (laughs) Children of God has always been entwined with music. In the beginning, they lured in potential new members with songs of love. You know, before flirty fishing, they (laughs) played music on street corners to the hippie kids. All right. In the early 1980s, with the rise of music videos, the cult created several of their own. No. Its videos were advertised as hours of delightful and wholesome entertainment. Okay. Amy Brill was one of the first people born into the cult, and at eight years old, she moved from France to Greece with her parents to join a music recording unit. <laughs> yes, there were specific yeah, their communes. Own dance group. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> According to her interview in the docuseries Cults and Extreme Belief, which I must watch now. Uh, yeah. The shows they put together were broadcast internationally. Later, the cult insisted that Amy remain with the music unit, but her parents returned to France. Oh. Alone in a foreign country, she recorded songs almost daily. Here's a quote from her. They used music a lot in their lifestyle and in their evangelism. Some songs released by the Children of God were simply Christian rock, but others specifically discussed the group's extreme beliefs. Oh, God. One such song is Kathy Don't Go, which I have listened to part of. No way. <laughs> and saw the video. <laughs> which foretells of a dystopian future where everyone has a barcode on their forehead, no doubt. Uh, which the cult equated with the sign of the beast on their body and urges Kathy not to go to the supermarket. <laughs> so you see that link right there. I do see a link. This is, well, it's almost 40 minutes long. Oh. Okay. It is a collection. (laughs) It is a collection of music videos. Okay. On YouTube. Okay. It is a must watch, but I will warn you, a lot of the songs do talk about their specific religious beliefs. Okay. The ending of days, anti-abortion, you know, there are some songs Ooh, in there some that touchy subjects. Yeah. Okay. That are gonna make you go, eh. But y'all. I want I wanna take a little snippet. Can okay. I, can I take a little peek? Yeah, click on it. I gotta. We're definitely sharing this with you guys. Uh. Hey guys and gals, get hit with a new craze. Register today for your very own personal six 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 barcode implant. No more need to carry cash or credit cards. The price of the goods you buy is now automatically subtracted from your bank account by the computer terminal at the checkout stand. It's fast. It's easy. Don't go, 
Okay. The dudes in the trench coats. <laughs> Y'all, it's... I cannot. The dance moves. Oh. It is worth a watch, it I'm saying. It. I'm going to watch all of it. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to giggle at nonsense, watch the video. Okay. Okay. <laughs> David Berg's granddaughter, Mary Berg, had starred in music videos and gained a celebrity a celebrity <laughs> status within the cult. According to a former member interviewed for Cults and Extreme Beliefs. So, I've got a picture of Mary. Okay. Oh, it's Mary, like M-E-R-R-Y. Like Merry Christmas, Mary. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, on this picture, she this is a picture of her on the front of one of their newsletters. Oh. And we're going to talk more about their letters in a minute. Can I say what it's titled? Yeah, if you want to. No longer children. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, it's all garbage and like it just it's oh just gonna God. keep getting worse. There's no more giggling after this, you're done. Oh <laughs> thanks. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> well, thanks for this few minutes. Uh-huh. It was worth it. All right. So sadly, Mary also suffered extreme abuse. Oh eventually she escaped the cult with nothing. Rolling Stone reported, and y'all, the Rolling Stone article, fantastic. Usually, yes. Mm-hmm. Rolling Stone reported that she was institutionalized, became addicted to methamphetamines, and turned to sex work. Aww. She passed away in 2017 from respiratory failure. Oh, my. Amy Brill, the girl we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. was her best friend and put together a memorial service for her. And she said, quote, even though it wasn't a suicide, I think the early passing had something to do with her PTSD and the condition that led her into drug and alcohol abuse for many years. It's all related. End quote. You are right, I agree. Queen. Brill has stated that she personally knows a hundred former members who had died by suicide. And I, I'm not surprised by that. Not surprised. It's I mean, so it, sad. They completely brainwashed you. They... And then you try to get out into the real world and try to go back, even though you might not agree with what was happening anymore, still trying to go back and adapt. Oh, yeah. You're ruined. Yeah. It's hard. David Uh, Berg was almost never seen by members of the Children of God. Good. As reported by the L.A. Times, even photos of him were altered to conceal his appearance many times with a lion's face over his. I tried to find some of those. I couldn't. I could find illustrations that were in some of their newsletters, but I couldn't find like, you know, altered actual pictures. Still, Berg was in constant communication with his followers through what became known as Mo Letters. Mo letters. What? Oh, I'm gonna like get into Moses it. Moses letters, but Mo yeah. letters. Okay. Mo letters because of Berg's nickname, Moses David. Oh, ah! look, look at my brain going. <laughs> Were documents handed out to his followers? They contain doctrine that everyone in the cult was required to follow. Mm. Some, like the Christmas monster, <laughs> include prophecies about the end of the world. <laughs> okay. Others, like the girl who wouldn't. Functioned like a twisted Dear Abby, where Berg responded to letters from his members and gave them instructions. The, the what? Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about this real quick. Um, I found lots of illustrations and snippets and different places where you can read the Mo letters. I'm not going to. 
Nope. Just the few things I read, it was like, yep, my heart can't handle it. I can't do it. Okay. So I do have a picture from the girl who wouldn't. And I don't know. We can talk about it in a minute if we want to share this or not. Because it's an illustrate. Um, well, I mean, we can't. We can share this one. We can. Um, it's There's a naked woman on a bed um, and a half-naked woman standing in front of her with her arms crossed. Like she's upset. I read part of this All right. and stopped. But in this one, Berg was trying to force a young woman into a same-sex relationship because he was very pro-lesbianism. Okay. But not like that. <laughs> he was he was pro lesbianism. He was not pro he was a he was cool with the girls, not with the guys. Okay. Women okay. women could be gay, men could not. Uh, uh, uh mm-hmm. fuck you. So okay. he was trying to force a girl into a lesbian relationship with another woman and she didn't want to. Okay. And she wrote in and he published what she wrote and his response to it and distributed it to everybody. So I that's can what take a guess at what that that's what the girl who was. wouldn't right. was about. And no. it's awful. Okay. It's awful. Yeah. Glad you stopped it there. Oh yeah. I wasn't going any further. Um many included illustrations that resembled pornographic comic book covers. There was some bad ones. Okay. Uh, Google at your own risk. <laughs> I might. According to xfamily.org, a group that provides resources to former members and has archived the Mo letters, Berg wrote more than 3,000 during his lifetime. That's, that's too many. Mm-hmm. Some in the cult reported Berg extended its sexual policies to children, allegedly permitting and even encouraging child sex abuse. Berg himself was accused of sexually abusing young girls, including his daughters and granddaughters. Um, Here's a quote that a former member told the Guardian newspaper in 2017. It definitely wasn't a safe place to grow up, especially if you were a girl. In 1989, the family issued an official statement condemning sexual acts involving minors and announced that any member found to be abusing children would be immediately excommunicated. Okay. Did they stick to that? What do you think? No. Former members have been outspoken about the childhood abuse they suffered growing up in Children of God communes. And this is where I first heard about it. Yeah. Actress Rose McGowan lived with her parents in a group in Italy until she was nine years old. In her memoir, Brave, McGowan wrote about her early memories of being beaten by cult members and recalled how the group advocated for sexual relationships between adults and children. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Christina Babin, whose parents raised her in Children of God, described the child abuse in the following terms. Quote, a letter arrived from the Children of God leader, Moses David, encouraging adults to teach children how to have sex, claiming it was healthy and good. And so the sexual abuse began. I was violated in this way from age 12 too many times than I care to remember but sex was encouraged with children who were far younger, end quote. Gross. So um, actor Joaquin Phoenix, until he was around three years old in 1977, his family were followers of the Children of God. Yeah. 
He told Vanity Fair that the introduction of the flirty fishing policy drove his parents to leave the group. So they were very early followers. Yeah, thank God they left, though. Yeah. A quote from Joaquin Phoenix. They got some letter, or however it came, some suggestion of that, and they were like, fuck this, we're out of here. His mother, Hart Phoenix, told the magazine that it took several years to get over our pain and loneliness after leaving the group. Like you were saying earlier, having to start over again after being completely reliant on this group. Other notable former members include journalist Susan Dupuy and Fleetwood Mac co-founder Jeremy Spencer. Yep. After Berg's death in 1994, the family was taken over by his widow, Karen Zerby. She's fucking garbage, y'all. Yeah. I don't go too much into her. Karen. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but I, I don't go into the complete ridiculousness that is her. Okay. At the time of his death, he was under investigation from both Interpol and the FBI. Yeah. In 1995, the group was the subject of a British lawsuit following a trial relating to the custody of a child born into the cult. The Honorable Lord Justice Ward wrote a 295-page opinion on the family. Damn. (laughs) Ward determined that the group had permitted sexual abuse of minors, deliberately isolated and sequestered children away from their parents, and used extensive corporal punishment. Ward also concluded that by the time of the trial, these practices had ceased and that he believed that the family was not presently an unsafe environment for children. Are you fucking kidding me? Bruh. Seriously? That made me so angry. Oh, my God. Okay. Hate you. Yeah. You suck. Thought maybe I was going to like you for a second. Mm, but no. Honorable my ass. The cult made... Okay. This part is so fucked up and sad. Oh, good. More. Yeah. Sorry. It just keeps getting worse. <laughs> um, The cult made the headlines again in 2005 after Berg's son, Ricky Rodriguez... Killed a former member of the group and then completed suicide. Mm. So Ricky was not his biological son. Okay. Technically. Okay. Karen Zerby mm-hmm. was flirty fishing. Uh-huh. And got pregnant. Okay. And David Berg unofficially adopted him. So he raised him as his son, but he wasn't biologically his son. Okay. But I do have a picture of Ricky. You poor kid. As an adult. Yeah. There's Ricky. Yeah, he's not a kid in this one, but. Yeah. Oh, poor kid is the right statement, Uh, though. We'll get into it. Yeah. Rodriguez was well known in the cult. His childhood had been recounted in a parenting manual spread to all the members. Mm -mm. It was called the story of Davidito. Okay. In the New York Times, after reviewing pages sent by former members, reported that in it, quote, the toddler Ricky is described or else pictured as watching intercourse and orgies, fondling his nanny's breasts, and having his genitals fondled, end quote. This is no. this is the part that we'll talk and decide if we're going to post or not. Okay. But I have a picture that has the cover of the book. And just one page of the book. Oh. So. Oh my God. Yeah. The first picture is of a naked toddler. A naked Ricky. Mm-hmm. 
And it says, it, it says something of the effect of with that come hither look. Okay. You're not allowed to say that. Like, you don't say that come hither look to a naked, That's what looks to be two or three year old kid. Yeah. The next picture is of a toddler, Ricky, and the woman standing behind him is topless. Okay. Okay. So, yep. It's naked boobs. Yes, I see that now. And okay. the one underneath mm. is a picture of, he's in his PJs, a clothed baby Ricky, and a naked woman behind him. she wearing a mask? No, I'm, I'm about to explain that. Okay. When the person in the picture with him is a higher up in the cult, uh, they drew over their face so you couldn't see who it was. But that's a naked woman in bed with him. I'm glad you can't read what it says on there. Yeah. I read it and was so incredibly disgusted. <sighs> okay. Uh, I need a drink. Fuck. I need a something. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Rodriguez left the cult in adulthood. And his wife told the Times that he wanted his mother to be prosecuted for child abuse. At the age of 29, Rodriguez contacted one of his former nannies, a woman who appeared in the book documenting his alleged abuse, and stabbed her to death before taking his own life. His wife gave reporters a video he recorded the night before the murder-suicide. Oh, God. Quote, He said he saw himself as a vigilante, avenging children like him and his sisters who had been subject to rapes and beatings. End quote. That was written in the Times. That video exists. I didn't watch it. Oh, gosh. I didn't watch it. I couldn't. Okay. By the time I got to this part of the story, I was just like... I'm kind of with you on that one. I was over it. Yeah. I'm over it. So, we're wrapping it up now, since (sighs) we're all fucking over it. Yeah. Let's get done with this shit, so I can talk about my fucked up shit. In 2004, the church again changed its name to the Family International. Oh, great. In the years following Berg's death, the group relaxed many of its demands of its followers in an attempt to boost declining membership. Followers are now allowed to live in private homes and work outside of the cult. Okay. In 2009, the leadership announced that they no longer believed the apocalypse to be imminent. All right. The church still exists, and though its website says that the group underwent a reorganization in 2010 as an online community, Mm. it claims to have 1,700 members. Well, that's better. Karen Zerbe was last seen in Mexico in 2010. I have a picture of Karen. Yeah. Let's see what this bitch looks like now. Mm -hmm. This is her LinkedIn picture. Oh, my God. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm going to find her. (laughs) This bitch is on LinkedIn. I don't want to be friends with her, but... Fuck you, Karen Zerby. So, there's that. Ew. Her Ew. current whereabouts are unknown. Former members continue to speak up about the abuse they faced during their time in the cult. The end. Yeah, no, I think that one should be outlawed. They should not be able to exist. But then they would just go start another one, so... They would just change the name. <laughs> to the family worldwide. Ugh. <laughs> it's garbage. Oh my god! But you did really good. Thank you. You hit all of the uh, main points and all of the necessary this grossness. Is it's such a hard topic, 
And it fascinates me that people, I don't know. The whole aspect of it. The human brain is ridiculousness. The people coming up with the shit. How how are you coming? Like, where? How? How? I don't know. How are you coming up with the shit? And how are you that fucked up and still charismatic enough to draw people into you and have them believe your bullshit? That's fascinating to me. I just can't. I can't. I'd like to say that I would never get sucked into that, but... These I'm sure genius, most of those people said I mean, that too. Yes, exactly. Like, uh, just be conscious, people. Just be, it sucks. Be aware. It all be sucks. Aware. It all sucks. Mm-hmm. Well, your turn. My turn. Um, I think we should drink. Okay, a little bit. Okay, here we go. We're traveling to India. You want to go live in India? I don't want to go live in India. Do you want to go to India? Go to India. Seriously, go to India. What about you? Do you want to go to India? I'm not going to India. You can go to India. I've never, ever heard of this. I'm excited. Um, I didn't either until I found this in my research. So (laughs) I decided to do it. It's severely fucked up. And I have lots of photos. Okay. So we'll have to debate on mine as well. Okay. So... On July 1st, 2018, Gurcharan Singh was on his daily morning walk routine. He heads to the local grocery shop to buy his morning milk, but finds the shop still not open. It was already past 7 a.m., and the shop was always open by at least 6. Singh knew that the owner, Bolf Nesh, um, a family friend and neighbor, who lived just around the corner, so he called him, but there was no answer. So Singh decides to pay a quick visit to Bhavnesh's house to find out why the shop isn't open yet. At 7.15, he arrives at his house to find the front door unlocked and open. So he pushes it open and starts walking up the stairs to the first floor. I have a photo of the house. Okay. It's three stories. The lower floor, this is kind of the back of it. But around the front is a grocery store. And then the top two floors is like where they live. Okay. Okay. The staircase going up into it, though, is crazy because it's concrete. It's like a little corridor. It's like a zigzag stair. And there's no rails. Oh, my. (laughs) At all. Going straight up. That's scary. Yeah. Oh, my God. But they have a cute little balcony and there's a little, I don't if you look by the like the double doors back mm-hmm. there, there's a little skylight thing that goes down to the bottom floor. It's significant in a little while. Okay. Just just showing you that. So what he sees next could be described as the scene of a horror movie. Horror. <laughs> Ten bodies hanging from the ceiling of the first floor oh, unfolded, no. hands tied behind their back and their mouths taped. A terrified Singh ran outside and called the police. Oh my god! Oh yeah, I I'm I we can try to find some funny moments, um, maybe with the pronunciations of the names. I don't know. I'm gonna do my best <laughs> because I don't want to be disrespectful. Hmm. Um. But yeah, there's a video. I googled it because there's a documentary that does show a few pieces of it. But I just wanted to see if the whole thing was still available. Mm-hmm. It is. So, 
I Googled it. It took me to Twitter. Twitter t- took me to Reddit. Okay. It's like a minute 15. I think there's longer videos, but this is, an, it was enough. If, if, if you want to. I don't think I want to. <sighs> yeah. All right. So Raheem Tamar, the first head constable to enter the house, said he'd never seen anything like this in his 17-year-long career. It was shocking. All I saw were bodies hanging like branches of a tree, he said. The deaths were suspected to be a case of murder. All the 11 dead belonged to one family, the Chunduit slash Singh family of Burari. The family consisted of seven males and four females. The ten bodies found hanging on the first floor of the house were in a circular formation. I have a photo of the family. Okay. If you want to, like, look at the family while I'm talking about who each person is. Okay. You are free to do that. Pause for a moment at how gorgeous this family Um, is. All of them. The hair, the clothes. Oh, my God. And they didn't always have the status. They actually had farmland, like the grandfather had farmland in another in another area, and he actually ended up having to sell it, and they moved to Delhi to start completely over. So they kind of started from the bottom. Okay. And rose okay. to, like, wealthy middle class is what they're considered over there. Okay. So this is the whole family. All 11. We have Bhavnish Singh, his, uh, who is 50, his wife Savita, 48, and their children Neetu, who's 25, Manika, 23, and Dhruv, 15. <laughs> then we have Lalit Singh, um, he's 45. He, um, his brother is Bhavnish. His wife Tina, that's easy, mm-hmm. 42, and their son Shivam, 15. There's also Prativa. 48, sister of Bhavnesh and, L- and Lilit, and her daughter, Priyanka, who is 33. Then there's the mama, 77-year-old Narani Devi. Devi. I never, I didn't hear her last name pronounced, so I apologize for that. She was found dead in another room, and she was the only one found not hanging. That's weird. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, um... Yes, they were all hanging, and she actually had um, belt necks, belt marks around her neck. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been hanging from the wardrobe in her room because she could not; she wasn't mobile. Um, so that's how they did her. And okay. she was found kind of laying on the floor because it broke. Okay. So the Chandrawat family had migrated from Delhi to to Delhi from Rajasthan in the nineties. They had owned a grocery shop. And a grocery store and a plywood shop in the same locality. So it, it, it was like kind of a general store. Gotcha. So the police were baffled. They were like, what the fuck is this? They're all hanging. There's no survivors. Mm-hmm. Retribution, retribution was suspected to be the prime reason. A member of the, from the family had wronged someone bad. You know, they all had to pay for it by getting killed in this fashion or something. The police scrutinized all aspects of the life of every member. I wouldn't say really scrutinized. They kind of, they investigated, they vetted every angle, mm-hmm. trying to find something. 
um, business rivalry, jealous boyfriend, property disputes, an extramarital affair gone wrong, even a tantric being involved, maybe convinced them to do this. But no, and like I said, no motive was spared, but nothing suspicious was ever discovered that hinted towards a murder. So then the police made a shocking discovery. They found 11 diaries at the house. There's there's supposedly a thing about 11 in this house. Um, as the crowds gathered, they noticed that there were 11 pipes sticking out of the side of the house. Seven of them were bent down. Four of them were straight up out. They were like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, since there are seven men and four women, they were like, maybe this is a way for their souls to escape. Well, the contractor came on and he was like, um, no, actually, my people were just lazy and they didn't cut some of the pipes. <laughs> There's not seven men and four women. I said it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I said it backwards at the very beginning, too. Okay, well, just correct yourself now. Yeah, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I don't know where my brain was. Thank you. Dyslexia. Okay, so there's, you know. There's there's a lot of women. <laughs> there's more ladies. There's more ladies in this household. It's fine. So they discovered that the diaries, in fact, belonged to Lullet. Um, He emerged to be the central character of this macabre tragedy. A large part of them were actually written by Pratiba and Priyanka. He dictated part of it and i'll tell you why in a little bit okay but lullet was a very complex figure he was said to be a no-nonsense man but at the same time someone who was very funny and joked a lot he was the youngest but for some reason even when his dad was alive like everybody listened to him he was highly intelligent he was the baby he had all of their attention so when the dad died um he kind of took over Swooped in as man of the house. Yeah, because, I mean, they're a patriarchal society. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what they do. He was a student of medicine, but an illness forced him to drop out of college. It wasn't really an illness. Okay, so in 1988, he got into a motorcycle accident, and it caused severe head trauma. Okay. Um, He was in the hospital for a while, uh, like a week, and he wasn't really the same for a while. But years progressed, and he did find employment at a plywood shop in Delhi, where he worked from the mid-1990s till 2008. Then, this man, like, okay, then he got attacked. In 2004, he was at work. There was supposedly a dispute about some payment, and the people walked him in this plywood company after they had slashed him. And set it on fire. Oh, my God. The um, fuck? It did cause him to lose his voice for a while. But it's unknown whether he simply stopped speaking after this because of the psychological trauma. Or whether he did actually suffer damage to his vocal cords. But he didn't speak for three years. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's no way. I can well, speak there's a lot years. of medical professionals that have said there's no way that that, that would have caused damage for that long yeah it was probably psychological Mm -hmm. so after their father bhopal a much loved man in the local community he passed away he was known as daddy 
I feel a little naughty saying it that way, but that's <laughs> what they call them is daddy. That's what I call my dad. I, I do too, but like the way that they say it in certain terms, just it's like, that's odd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll get there. Anyways. So he was always there to lend a helping hand and be there for you in times of trouble. Everyone he knew spoke very highly of them. His wife and a very young Lulich were the first ones to do, to arrive in Delhi from Harana. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Their dad, Bhopal, died suddenly in 2006 from a respiratory illness. The death of his father um, had a very profound effect on him. The devastated family organized a 10-day prayer for the father's soul. During the prayer, Lalit shocked everyone when he all of a sudden started chanting loudly. Okay. They kind of stopped, and he didn't even realize that other people had stopped because it was almost like there was an inner voice coming from him. It wasn't really coming. It wasn't him. Mm -hmm. So they believed that it was their father that was speaking through him. It was kind of a miracle. The man who had not uttered a word in three years was suddenly speaking again. Lalit attributed the, the miracle to his dead father. He said his father appeared in his dream and told him to perform the prayer, due to which he, reg he regained his voice. Okay. Cool. The entire family started now seeing Lalit in a new light. He had become a spiritual medium, channeling messages by daddy from another world to them. He became highly spiritual after this incident, delving deeper into the world of mystical and occult. Okay. He started scribbling notes in a diary dating back to 2007. 11 years. 2007, That's crazy. 2018. Mm -hmm. 11 years. Anyways, a few months after his father's death, the notes were strict orders for the entire Chindawat family from the youngest to the oldest Dictated by none other than Lalit's dead father. The notes laid out the daily routine of the family to be followed strictly for the general and financial well-being of the family. They started seeing themselves prosper and they were rising in status. So they figured this was working. So they stuck with it. Okay. I have a photo of the diary. It's a little odd. Obviously, we don't know what that says because I don't read their language mm -mm. <laughs> at all. But there are some dates down there that are checked and X'd and everything. So supposedly the dad would come visit through Lullet, um every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, I believe. Okay. So those are the dates that they have written down. And like some of the diary entries were like, what you are doing is deplenishing and totally taking a toll on Lulit's health. You must do this in order for Lulit and Tina to be successful and be what they need to be. And you must follow their ways and all this kind of stuff. It, oh my gosh. It was, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. That's how did you not know that was garbage right away? Um, because Okay, this family is incredibly smart. All of them were extremely educated. Tina had a bachelor's degree in sociology. Like, they are all extremely well-educated people. Blows my mind. Just like I, we said. Like, it, I'm sorry, but if Seth came to me and told me 
that my dad was speaking through him mm-hmm. that I needed to do this and this and this for him and Allison to be successful. Mm-hmm. I'm like you are full of shit, bro. Like, no, thank you, please. I don't understand that. But I don't it's because it. we know what we know. Maybe. Like, we know that there's, this is not okay. <laughs> they should have known this was not okay. They, this I mean, just happened. <laughs> it did. Like, this is not a long time ago. This is modern time. Yeah, I don't this get stuff it. stuff has been around for a while. I don't get it. Sorry, Seth, but I'd be like, they fuck you, bro. They took a lot of selfies. <laughs> I mean, like, they're, they're, it's not like they're out of touch with the world. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They stopped consuming non-vegetarian food. And both brothers, Lalit and Bhavnish, who drank alcohol, adopted an alcohol-free lifestyle oh, because no, the dad no. said that that was bringing evil into the house. <sighs> the family saw their business expand and wealth increase, like I said, um, which reinforced their belief that in Lalit being a channeler of messages from his dead father, daddy was guiding them from another world, they believed. The entire Chundawit family followed and supported all the rituals Lullet performed as guided by his dead father for the prosperity of their entire family. By 2018, Lullet had filled 11 diaries with notes from his father. The final ritual to be completed was the Banyan Tree Ritual. Okay. The ritual involved hanging like the branches of a banyan tree in a circular formation to attain salvation. Lilith's diary laid out all of the steps involved in performing the ritual. Let's go see the tree. Okay. It's a beautiful tree. Yep. So you see how it has all the stuff hanging from it? Yeah, it makes me think of a cypress tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With all the moss and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or one of the old Evangeline oaks that has all the moss hanging from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, there's footage. CCTV footage from outside the house. Oh, good. Thank God. And guess what? It Mm. it was on. It was on. Shut up. It was working and it was recording. And they didn't delete the footage. (laughs) It didn't get recorded ever. Um, so they have footage of the night before. They actually have footage of eight days prior to this. Okay. Because ten days before, um, the daughter Priyanka mm-hmm. had her engagement party at that house. Okay. Ten days before. So no one knew. Like they, they were like, we were just in this house celebrating an engagement. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> is this murder? Like, anyways. It was a shock. Yeah. And then eight days before, they have footage of it just being them. Um, like some of the kids go and get wires and electrical cords from the shop. Stools are being brought in. They're, and it's only the family members entering and exiting. So there's no other people, no other suspects. Okay. Um, I have a picture of the footage. It's a picture of them um, carrying some stools. It's it's a little weird to look at, but that yeah. is the stool that they're carrying. Okay. Okay. So the night before, it showed Nitu and her mother, Savita, bringing five stools inside their home. At 10.15, Drew, 15, and Shavam, 15, were seen carrying electrical wires from the plywood shop into the house. These were the wires they used for hanging themselves and tying... Their hands. No person left or entered the house that 
after that till the following morning at 7.15 when they were found. Okay. Chunies were tied in special knots as described in the diary. Um, there was a specific way that they were to be tied and hung to the railings on the iron grid installed in the ceiling of the first floor. That's where the skylight thing okay. is. So okay. a chunie is a scarf-like clothing worn by women in India. The other end of the chunies were suspended below and attached to the electrical wires procured from the shop. I have a photo of the iron grid with the chunies hanging. Okay. As the police found them. It doesn't show the bodies. Oh my goodness. So they were literally hung right they next were to each other. Arranged in a pattern. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So Lullet and his wife Tina blindfolded the family members, tied their legs, plugged their ears with cotton, and taped their mouths. All of them had their faces wrapped with cloth taken from a single bed sheet. So they just stood there and let it happen. It was, there's a reason why. Um, A noose was created of the wires and put around the neck of each family member. The ten members stood on the five stools, each sharing two. Okay. It is suspected that after reviewing all of this evidence, um, that the matriarch, um, Narani, was strangled in another room by Lelit. And then hung. Like, because she started it. Be hung. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then he joined the 10 others, and Tina put the noose around his neck. Tina was the only one who did not have her hands tied behind her back. She got up on the stool and put the noose around her neck. At some point, they flicked the stools over to suspend their bodies from the electrical wires attached to the chunies. I have a photo of the bodies hanging. Okay. Um, It's really weird because their feet are almost, I mean, they could have stood up, but maybe the chunies stretched at some point. I would think probably the fabric stretched over time with the yeah. weight pulling. Um, but if you want to go see, their faces are blurred out. Mm-hmm. I do have photos where their faces are not blurred out. If you would like to see those as well, just Google the Bahari um, death photos. No, I'm good. And they're there. It's pretty tragic. Um, I chose this one because behind them are the 15-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel like people should see that. Yeah. They were told, you know, all types of things could happen while this ritual was going on. The earth will shake. The sky will open up. But don't worry. Chant the mantra louder. And I will come to save you and the others. It's a note from Lelit's diary as dictated by his dead father. The notes also said everyone will tie their hands themselves, but when the ritual is over, everyone will help each other untie their hands. They were expecting to be saved by daddy, not die by hanging. This was a test. This was a test. It was a test. It was a ritual. They did not think that they were committing suicide. They thought that they would be saved to test their faith, to prove their faith. Mm -hmm. Oh, my fuck. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that no harm would come to them. Um, 
one of the 15-year-olds was found to be gagged. But if he already fucking strangled grandma in the other bedroom, nobody saved grandma. Shouldn't that have been your first clue? Because it was part of the ritual and they were forced to go along with it. Uh, Force my ass. Um, This is ridiculous. It's crazy. mm -hmm. That's why I decided to cover it because I've never heard this Mm -mm. before. And this is... It was in 2018. I don't remember this. It, it 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 was widely publicized in India and everything, but um the media went a different way with it and so it didn't it didn't hit over here. Like it was just kind of brushed under the rug yeah. after a little bit because there was so much back and forth of what happened. Yeah. But the police did rule it as a case of unintended mass suicide. Evidence indicated that Bahavnesh tried to free himself in the final moments of his death. One hand was free, tape partially removed from his mouth, and his feet were touching the ground. The police concluded the deaths were the result of a mass psychotic disorder in the family that began with Lalit's hallucinations, who believed he was receiving messages from his dead father. Okay, his first head injury... Cause some problems. Mm-hmm. His um, being locked in a building and set on fire kind of thing um, caused major PTSD that was never dealt with. Mm-hmm. And he also had another head injury from that. Mm-hmm. Nothing was ever treated. Yeah. So. But we're going to put him on a pedestal and believe everything he yeah. says. But it's, it, but they believe that he actually started orchestrating this plan and, and theories before his father died. And then when his father died, it gave him a chance to put it into action. Like he, he was so unhappy with his life that he wanted to end it. So he kind of put a plan into place and made it made sense to himself that his whole family needed to go to. Oh my God. So uh, he's basically a family annihilator. Pretty much. It could go either way. Yeah, he's basically a family annihilator. He mm-hmm. he but essentially, he, he killed his entire family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He, he brainwashed um, his family into killing themselves. Well, it's believed that the 15-year-olds were actually <sighs> murdered. Because their hands were tied very, very, very tight. Because they didn't want to do it. They did not want to. It's. I mean, it's pretty obvious that they did not want to. Oh, my God. I hate this so much. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Here's, oh, God. Here, here's, like, a, a, a bad part, too. Okay, so they had a dog named Tommy. Aw. He was the only surviving family member from that night because the dog was chained to the grate, but he was on the roof. So he could look, he saw all this. Aww. He was there for the eight days of planning. He, he. The, the poor dog was there through all of it. Um, they The police did put the dog in a shelter. He initially displayed symptoms of depression and refused to eat or drink. Oh, but his, poor baby. His, his condition did improve. He went back to normal eating, drinking, and playing. But on July 23rd, not even a month later, he died of heart failure. He was six years old. Oh, poor Tommy. I have a picture of Tommy. If you want to see the puppy. Aww. He was kind of vicious. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's video. Like, But he, 
poor dog. Well, he was traumatized. Exactly. Like, he didn't want anybody to come near him, but can you blame He had him? something wrapped around his mouth. Mm-hmm. They had something, like, mm-hmm. something wrapped uh, yeah, around his mouth. Yeah, there's a band got, or something. He's got a scar, and you see how swollen the front of his muzzle is. Yeah. Because I'm one of those and people that gets sucked in by those horrific dog abuse videos. Yep. Because With Sarah I, McLaughlin singing in the background. No, not the commercials. Oh. The videos on Facebook where oh, they those. Oh, God, rehabilitate dogs. Why I stop scrolling when I see one of those, I don't know. But it's like a train wreck, and I can't look away. But then, in the end, someone adopts them, and they're happy, and yeah, they're healthy. And yeah. But why do I watch that shit? I just can't. I can't. The same reason <sighs> I do. I just, I don't know. We just do. <laughs> it's terrible. But there's the poor baby doggy. So, huh, now, the Ch- the Chundawet family house gained notoriety, notoriety similar to that of the Amityville Horror House. Yay! Mm. Stories floated of how the house is haunted with the spirits of the 11 family members. It kind of, it was kind of made a spectacle. Which yeah. is very disrespectful in an event like this. But we all do it. But we all do it. And we I, sit here and talk about it. And on we podcasts. talk about it. But they kind of made a mockery of it. Like it, TV shows went in there and rumors were started. Like, you know, they, they embellish mm-hmm. to make it sellable. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fucked up enough. This, uh, the real story is fucked up enough. Like, why, why do you have to do that? People still ask questions about the house when they pass through the area. Isn't that the house? And they point their fingers like, oh, my God. I mean, I would. I was just to say, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I at the Lamori Mansion. No, like. <laughs> that's it, right? That's it right there. <laughs> and how many horrible things happened there? <laughs> Way more than 11 people. Yes. Uh, so, I can't. But that was long enough ago. Does that make it better? In my brain, it does. It's been several different things since then yeah this was that was a couple hundred years ago yeah this this was only like five years ago oh god it's all okay i'm almost done all right okay they actually have more family members dinesh who is the oldest brother but he did not live there and all his photos are blurred out so way to escape dinesh yeah um he refuses to believe his family died from an occult ritual gone wrong. Bruh, there's 11 diaries that sir, says they did. Sir, It's in writing, and the photos are there, and there's videos. And He tried to sell the house for more than two years, but the haunted house tag makes it kind of hard to get a good price. Because you're not in New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sells there. Yeah. <laughs> the house was occupied by two employees of Wallet who worked in his plywood shop, Amid and Ali, for almost two years while Dinesh tried to sell it, Ahmed and Ali spoke about being spooked in the house and completely avoiding the first floor for a few months. I kind of would, too. Oh, totes. They slept on the terrace, too afraid to sleep in the house. And why are you living there, bro? I mean, they were caretakers, I guess. Um, Eventually, their fears disappeared and living in the house became normal activity. No, I don't. Mm -mm. I don't. good. In December 2019, unable to sell the Delhi House of Horror, Dinesh rented it out to a Dr. Mohan Kashyap. Uh, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to keep it, who now runs a pathological lab on the ground floor and lives on the first floor. The same floor where five years ago, the ghastly scene of 11 bodies, well, okay, 10, 10. bodies hanging in one, laying on her side, from the ceiling shook the entire nation. The end. That was a lot. There's so much more. There's a three-part documentary series on Netflix. Um, you should go watch it. That just made me angry. It made me angry. It's it. Yeah. It made me angry. Me too. That's why I did it. Because I was like, I, I still don't have any words for it, really. Man, I'm fuck still- that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy. There you go. That's all I got. That's the only word I got. <laughs> we don't like you, Lulit. Fuck that guy. Treat your mental illness, for fuck's please, sake. Please, 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 please. Notice this in others. Notice this in your family. Talk to your family. Find out what they're feeling. Get yeah. them help if they you know, need help. You know, if your little, like, red flag sensor goes off, if your gut goes, mm, listen maybe, to your maybe, gut. Maybe this is not okay. Like, they say his wife, Tina, went along with it because almost like Stockholm Syndrome. Like, if she would go along with him, she got attention or she mm-hmm. was safe. She was praised. She got the benefits, all the glory. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, but it's damn, terrible. they were smart people. They were extremely smart people. I, I don't think that even plays a factor in it, obviously, because there's people that have that are lost and have no clue and they fall into it. There's people that are extremely intelligent and they fall into it. The lost souls of the world, like... I'm sorry, I'm not a genius. I, I wouldn't fall for that shit. I... I... I no. I... I'd like to believe that I would not. If I do, will you... Ma'am. me in the face? I got you. Thank you. <laughs> I got you. I can count on you. I Thank God. I am so angry at all of the things... I have no more words. I'm yeah. done. I'm done for words. Let's do trivia. This is stupid. Okay, let's do some trivia. So, <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry that this episode was not comical at all. We tried. This one sucked. But <laughs> respectively, we could not. Uh-uh. Because it was just too horrible. Because the shit's not funny. It's, it's not, not funny. funny. If you want to giggle, do go watch the music videos. Maybe that'll make you giggle. Oh, Yeah palate cleanser Mm -hmm. definitely yeah children of god music videos (laughs) kathy don't go kathy don't go to the fucking supermarket okay there's a strange man at the register (laughs) (laughs) oh it's awful it's all bad it's so bad okay what was our trivia question last week What small Central American country saw an unknown serial killer target young girls in 1998 to 2000? The answer is Belize. The Belize Ripper, also called Jack the Butcher in local media, is linked to the deaths of five girls ages 9 to 14 in and around Belize City. The girls were kidnapped, drugged, or given alcohol, raped and mutilated with what one doctor says was a surgical instrument, thus evoking a similarity to the original Jack the Ripper. Well, that sucks, too. Ew. None of this is good. 
This whole episode is for the fucking birds, I man. I quit. Uh, oh, who got the question right? Let's, yeah, let's lift it with some gold stars, okay? Okay. Um. So this week we have from Instagram BS Farm One. Good job, yes. brand new person. Congrats! And who are you? Yeah, I would like <laughs> to know your real name, maybe. If not, you are just BS Farm. Yes, kind of like it. <laughs> we about that BS. And Miss Bonnie Cole on Facebook. Good job, Bonnie. Yes, ma'am. And we had a little bit of a wild card coming at us from left field was Miss Shannon on Twitter. What? We didn't even know we posted stuff on I Twitter. I didn't even know I posted it on Twitter, but congratulations. Good job, Shannon. Yeah, way to like find another route because I didn't even know. <laughs> so good job. Congratulations to all of our winners. Woohoo! Miss Bonnie Cole is still in the lead. She has six now. Miss Shannon has five. Northern Gothic True Crime still has three. And then we have a um, tie with a score of one for BS Farm, They Don't Stay Dead podcast, and Rebecca Ayers. Woohoo! Yes! Come on, guys, get your guesses in. Get your guesses in because this week we have a whole new trivia question for the mystery prize. Woohoo! Woohoo! There's, it's going to be black and purple. I'll give you that much. You can bet on that. Yeah, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's our new question? Okay, here we go. Oh, she's already got it. Okay. I've been looking. <laughs> Where did an unidentified serial killer in Helsinki, Finland, take victims before raping or attempting to rape them and murdering them? I don't like it, but I like the name Helsinki. It's in Finland. Yeah. Okay. Read it one more time because that was a long one. Where did an unidentified serial killer in Helsinki, Finland, take victims before raping or attempting to rape them and murder them? And your time starts now. Yep. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Go to the socials, find the post, answer the question, get the star. Yeah. That's 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 the, game the goal. Plan. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That's why we do it. Uh-huh. Also because we like trivia. This is why we do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is some really good wine. Oh, my gosh. It, like, I feel good. my neck getting red. I feel my cheeks getting a little toasty. Your neck? Your I'm back? And my... And my... Mm. <laughs> Hey. I didn't even know about all that. Okay. Not really. It's just like my neck and my face. <laughs> all right. Well... We're going to do this again next week. Let's try. We're going to try to not suck so bad. What's our topic next week? <laughs> I'll, I'll warn you if we're going to suck so bad. We're yeah. not. It's a doozy. It won't be quite as much garbage. Maybe a little. Oh, there's still garbage. Yeah. But not quite as much garbage. No, it's it's not going to be anything like this. And I promise there will be funny moments. Okay. Here for that. Yeah. All right. Go to the socials. Rate and review. Rate and review. Send us like some. And subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your hump day treat ideas, Ooh, or what too. did you have? Because we may want to steal your idea. Yeah. What kind of hump day treat did you have? And tell us the story behind it, if there is one. Yeah. Or just because. 
Yeah. Just because it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Whatever day of the week you decided to have your hump day treat is okay. And then tell us about it because we're fucking friends. Okay. We're bored. Yeah. <laughs> we like stuff. Yeah. Conversate. Okay. Me too. And I guess that's it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. All right. We're out. Okay. Bye. Peace. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout out to Stephen Goetzky for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and our very own Amanda Hagens for art. We'll talk at you next week.